1: Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. The journey far from over. Heavy yeah, this is I'm obsessed with this game. Enough is never enough. Salem, run. It's about taking it to another level. The only direction is to rise.
2: The catch. It was
1: Everybody in their opinions, they don't deposit at the base.
3: Welcome to KJM, KJM, Keyshawn, J. Will and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Freddie Coleman, Courtney Cronin. We're in for the guys today. On ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series XM Channel 80. And don't forget about us on ESPN. You Hit us on Twitter anytime you want. We love to see you have to say. At Key J Maxx, that's the show handle. Courtney's handle. Courtney R. Cronin. Mine at Coleman ESPN. Ten minutes away, give or take a lie or two. When it comes to the Patriot Way and the future involving said Patriot Way, when it comes to that organization that comes your way in about ten minutes. But here's the latest regarding Jalen Hurts. Head coach Nick Sirianni was on local Philadelphia radio. He told WIP that Jalen Hurts' the sprained shoulder is not considered a long-term injury. He's attacking rehab, and they'll see if he can play Saturday at Dallas. He also confirmed on the WIP Morning Show, it's not something we deem long-term, Courtney. His words, not mine. But he would, would not rule out Jalen Hurts for Dallas this weekend. But it seems that that's like, playing the competitive advantage card. That's according to John McMullen, does a great job covering Philadelphia sports, part of being an Eagles insider.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised by the competitive advantage that they're trying to gain here, having the Dallas Cowboys prepare for both Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew. I saw this happen a couple weeks ago when the Chicago Bears, a team that I cover for ESPN's NFL Nation, were was trying to give off the, the perception that Justin Fields, who had sustained a similar injury, granted it was his his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, but he had a sprained shoulder, and the Bears were trying to posture that he was going to play against the New Mm -hmm. York Jets and that it wouldn't potentially be Trevor Simeon. It ended up being Trevor Simeon, but (laughs) these coaches are going to do this charade for as long as they possibly can. What I take from that statement, though, and what he just said on his weekly radio hit on WIP in Philly is that it's not a long-term injury, so either way... It's a good sign that the Philadelphia Eagles will be okay with Jalen Hurts and getting him back for the postseason because at this point, Freddie, they have a nearly 100% chance to lock up the NFC's number one seed because they've built themselves a considerable cushion. Now, does it happen against Dallas this week? I don't know. Because you do have Gardner Minshew playing quarterback, the offense undoubtedly will change. But I still think they're in a very good position considering what's around the quarterback, one of the best Mm -hmm. pass-blocking offensive lines in the NFL, and a group, potentially the most complete group of receivers that the NFL has this year with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, you know, so on and so forth. So I think they're in a good spot. I just think Be as cautious with this injury as possible. We don't know the degree of the separation for Jalen Hurts' sprained shoulder, but keep him sidelined so you don't have this thing pop up or have any sort of pain management issue he has to work through in the postseason. The
3: Eagles are the third-best team offensively when it comes to yards per game, averaging over 394 yards per game. Only the Chiefs at 429 and the Buffalo Bills at 400 are ahead of this team. They're the top-ranked rushing offense. They average close to 159 yards rushing per game. That will go up exponentially when Jalen Hurts does not play on Sunday. But I will say this. If you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you should be really glad he's not an NBA player because it'd be a part of load management. Yeah. They would not be playing him this weekend. It's all about pain management. They believe, and this is just me spitballing, Courtney, they believe that if he can handle the pain, they're not going to restrict him. If he wants to be out there, if he can handle that, they'll say, okay, Jalen, we're going we're to do some things and not do some things, but if you can handle it, all right, we may trust you to be out there. If I'm the Eagles, I'm saying, dude, we'd rather have you for January. We're not worried about a Cowboys team that we have a three-game advantage on. If the Cowboys beat us, so what? You mentioned it last hour, Courtney. They built up enough of a pillow cushion yes. where they could sustain not having him for this week and not having him for next week. My concern with Philadelphia is the momentum that you've been able to build up with him at quarterback It's going to take a step back. So it comes to the last game of the regular season which may not be necessary, but do you get him out there for maybe a half? This way he does not go four to five weeks, and then the next game he plays is a playoff game where you know the rust factor is going to be paramount and try to knock point. that off in a one-and-done situation no matter how talented that offense is and no matter how talented Jalen Hurts has, has been a quarterback this year.
0: Yeah, because I think that they lock up the number one seed in the NFC, whether it comes against the Cowboys, the games on the road, they do, at least in theory, have a good defense. That defense hasn't shown up for a couple weeks. But nonetheless, they're still a, a formidable opponent. And then mm-hmm. you have the Saints at home the following week on New Year's Day. So theoretically, they won't be playing most of their starters, if any of their starters, in that Week 18 game, because yeah. it's a game that doesn't matter. I'm with you, though, because by the time the divisional playoffs roll around, after they have that Week 1 of the postseason bye during the wild card round – that's second week of January, third week of January at that point. And if he's not playing starting on Christmas Eve, so the 24th, all the way like three weeks beyond that, you are going to have some rust that he's going to have to knock off. So if he is healthy, and I don't mean a pain management thing. I think healthy, 100% full health. This is not your non-throwing shoulder. It's your throwing shoulder, which remarkably, after he sprained it in Chicago in the third quarter, he still went 7 of 11 for 110 <laughs> yards, averaging 11 yards per throw. So kudos to you. And if you had to go and get some sort of treatment, I was not watching the Eagles' benchies I was watching the Chicago Bears and every player that they had going out of that game because right. it felt like they had an injury every five minutes. Um I just think that you don't risk it that way. But if he's healthy enough, you let him play at least a quarter of that game against the Giants in Week 18.
3: Courtney Cronin, Freddie Coleman in for the guys today. And Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio and U. Andrew5L72, great handle, by the way. Hit us on Twitter at Coleman ESPN. And at Courtney R. Cronin saying about Jalen Hurts in the MVP conversation. It's fair to say that based on his in-season performance thus far, Hertz has already inspired enough confidence league-wide to win the hashtag MVP, even Mm -hmm. if he remains inactive until the playoffs. Courtney, your thoughts on that tweet?
0: You know, I think that you have to bring that into serious consideration because you can see now how the odds change when the news of his – Injury came out yesterday. Patrick Mahomes was number two to Jalen Hurts, according to most Vegas odds. Uh, yesterday, before we find out he has a sprained shoulder, now Patrick Mahomes has the best odds at minus 300, and Hurts is at 550. Josh Allen uh, jumping into the mix here ahead of Joe Burrow. And remember, up until week nine, Allen was the frontrunner for this award. And then Patrick Mahomes leapfrogged him. Mm-hmm. And then it was between Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa, for the number two and number three spot, and there's been some considerable separation between those two where it looked like it was a two-headed race um, going into like week 15, and and now obviously the injury takes an effect here. But we have a 14-game sample size from Jalen Hurts, and I think that that absolutely has to be in consideration here for when people are making their final votes over the next three games to where you weigh what he did in those 14 games – If he doesn't play the remainder of the season, you weigh that the same way you would weigh Patrick Mahomes. And if he ends up playing all 17 games for the Chiefs, I think that you have to. It's going to be more tricky for people to do because you're comparing stats that aren't going to look even because of the discrepancy in in how many games a guy has played. Mm -hmm. But I just think that this is very similar to what we saw in the early 2000s. There really is like, it's minimal precedent, but we've seen this happen where, you know, Marshall Falk, when he won it as a running back in 2000, he only played 14 games that season out of a 16-game schedule, which was the previous amount of games that teams played. And then in 2003, Peyton Manning and Steve McNair split the MVP award. They were both co-MVPs, and that was a year that McNair didn't play a full season. He played 14 games. So, I think you can go back, even though it is nearly, you know, 20 years ago, to A point and say, okay, how was the voting? How did voters look at it that way? And then you weigh the body of work because Jalen Hurts, in his first 14 games of the season, got Philly to a 13 and 1 record. Mm -hmm. And he did that with play that was truly remarkable. My only fear, though, is that voters are going to look at that last game, potentially the last game he will have played in the regular season in Chicago, and say, eh. Two yeah. interceptions, his first two interceptions that he had thrown since Halloween. He only has five on the season. He didn't have the best game of his season. But I hope that that doesn't skew what people think about Jalen Hurts, considering he also threw for 300 yards and ran for three touchdowns in that game.
3: The worst thing that can happen for his MVP candidacy is a Gardner Minshew goes out there and plays the game of his life, and they beat the Dallas Cowboys. Because then people say, well, look what the Eagles do without him? How valuable is he? System
0: quarterback, label gets thrown around.
3: Exactly. If Gardner Minshew goes out there and lays a big, colossal Christmas Eve egg, then people (laughs) are going to say, man, that team is not the same about Jalen Hurts. To me, and we live on planet Earth. We know how people can be swayed by being involved in that moment. If Gardner Minshew goes out there and he's meh and he's terrible, that helps the case of Jalen Hurts being an MVP. If he goes out there and he torches the Dallas Cowboys – on the road as a backup, three hundred yards and three touchdowns. That'll put down a lot of MVP voters' minds to say, well, how valuable is he if Gardner Minshew stepped in there and did that the same way that Jalen Hurts was able to do a lot of times throughout the regular season. I wonder how much of that could play involving Jalen Hurts, his candidacy, and how many games he may or may not play when it comes to the rest of the regular season. Courtney Cronin in for We've all been coming in for Keyshawn, Jabil, and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and ESPNU. Don't forget to click more on the lower right-hand corner. Scroll down to live radio, and that's where you can find us. Also, don't forget about football action. It's Saturday on ESPN Radio. The Patriots host the Bengals. Curse begins at noon Eastern time with select ESPN radio stations. And speaking of the Patriots. We've
4: seen some our fair share of things happen, right? Uh, but I have not seen that one.
5: Yeah, I got to tackle the guy. I it's on me and it's my fault.
1: Drops it behind it to Jacoby Myers, who circles and laterals it. And it's intercepted by the Raiders. Going the other way.
6: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness.
4: Obviously, we got to do a better job playing situational football and not making critical mistakes in the game.
3: You heard the oh, my goodness call on Radio Nation, radio 920 a.m. in Las Vegas, because in the words of the late great Jack Buck, I do not believe what I just (laughs) saw, and I know plenty of people feel the same way that I do. Courtney Cronin, Freddie Coleman in on Keyshawn, J. and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPNU. The man you hear snickering and laughing in the background is Mike Reese. Does a great job at ESPN Pages. Reporter. Hit him on Twitter at Mike Reese. All right, Mike, the floor is yours. Sin City Miracle, (laughs) go. (laughs)
7: Freddie and Courtney Courtney you probably know what I was thinking because you as an NFL Nation reporter we have to have our content ready to go right when the game ends that's where I black
0: out Mike that's where all of the windows that are open on my computer everything just freezes because my mind goes kaput and I don't know how to form a sentence speaking (laughs) let alone typing trying to take in everything that you're seeing on the field unfold and be like what just happened
7: That's right. And so so here's my thought. This is literally, and I just tweeted it. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. That was was my reaction as it unfolded.
0: I mean, when Bill Belichick tells reporters after the game that they didn't know the situation, or at least like that they preach situational awareness and he was disappointed with how that thing unfolded, I just, I can't wrap my head around the fact that, you know, they're not practicing laterals in practice, for a situation where the game is tied, like did you get any sort of inclination from Ramonde, Ramondre Stevenson about what was going through his mind in that moment when he takes the draw play and decides just like I just don't understand how he decided to throw the ball behind him, knowing that all he had to do is yeah. get out of bounds or even fall down, the game's been yeah. over.
7: Yeah. So a couple things, Courtney. I mean, first. Like, obviously, we all have, call them brain farts, right? Like, in every single person, (laughs) everyone listening to this, us talking right now, like, we've all had moments where we've said to ourselves, what was I thinking? So that's that's basically what this was for Ramondre, and he said as much after the game. Jacoby Myers, who, um, you know, got the lateral and then tried to lateral back to Mac Jones – said the same thing. So in terms of accountability, they didn't shy away from it. They basically said this wasn't what we were supposed to do. And in that moment, they just had the ultimate sort of, you know, brain fart for lack of better words.
3: The also Mike Reese ESPN pages reporter hit him on Twitter. Mike Reese joining Freddie Coleman and Courtney Cronin on Keyshawn, Keyshawn and max on ESPN radio yesterday. Keyshawn Johnson, the normal host of the show, he said, this is not the normal attention to details Bill Belichick team what's different based on what you've seen Mike
7: well Freddie that is right on the money Uh, I mean I could pick any topic uh, or anything and and tie it into that how about red zone offense Mm -hmm. where they rank dead last in the league and it's not even close and you saw what unfolded in this game when they had goal to go from the two yard line they had to burn two timeouts and they had a false start on fourth down when Mac Jones had snuck it over, you know, jumped over for the touchdown and that negated the touchdown that in and of itself, like a microcosm of the lack of attention to detail.
0: So now with three games remaining, the Patriots are going to look to gain some ground in the AFC playoff race Uh, on Saturday, they've got AFC North division leading Cincinnati coming to Gillette stadium. That's a 1 PM kickoff time on Christmas Eve. How did this loss against the Raiders affect their playoff chances? And do you feel like the remaining slate of games that they have either helps or hurts them? Try to get back in this thing.
7: Courtney, it dramatically affects the playoff positioning for them from a negative standpoint. And the remaining schedule is a bear. You mentioned the Bengals Saturday at home, the Dolphins after that on New Year's Day at home, and then at Buffalo, the final game of the season, assuming they're still playing for seeding. I mean, that's a really tough spot. So how do they get back? I mean, they talk all the time about, you know, empty the tank and then refill it back up. They got to go back to the 2018 model. Remember when they lost in Miami, on that miracle in Miami, on the lateral play that they didn't defend well on special teams. This is the same, almost the same exact scenario. And you remember la- that year in 18, they ended up going to the Super Bowl. Not saying the Patriots are going to do that, but that's basically the approach they have to take this week to get back up off the mat. Mike
3: Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter, joining Courtney Cronin and Freddie Coleman on Keyshawn, Jable, and Max on ESPN Radio. When I say Matt Patricia still being the offensive coordinator next year, no matter what happens this year, Mike, what do you say?
7: Um, Bill Belichick, how? What? What are you using? What formula are you using to justify that decision? Because if you look at all the key indicators, all the key statistics, and compare them from last year when Mac Jones was an ascending quarterback to this year where now everyone's asking, you know, what's up with Mac and the offense, it doesn't square up. So did Mac Jones all of a sudden become a a worse quarterback, or was it the factors around him that contributed to that? And that's something that Bill Belichick is going to have to decide after the season, when he gets out of that short-term focus of game planning each week for each opponent, and he doesn't allow himself to entertain those big-picture thoughts to me, it's the number one question they're going to have to answer after the season.
3: Real quick, we had we Paul Feinbaum on for the Paul Feinbaum show, and I made the point that if I'm the New England Patriots, after the regular season's over, my first call, the move on from Matt Patricia, would be to call Bill O'Brien from offensive coordinator to try to fix Mac Jones. And Paul Feinbaum said, well, there are plenty of Alabama fans that don't want him there, that he may be on the first thing smoking, that he's going to be on Errol Belichick to take over as offensive coordinator potentially next year. What are your thoughts on that?
7: Shreddy, it seems so obvious to me that that would be a great move for not only the Patriots, but for Bill O'Brien, who I've always viewed as, you know, really more of an NFL guy. He's from this area. And I think Mac is the type of quarterback that I could see Bill O'Brien really wanting to work with and doing a great job with.
0: One thing that I, I don't understand, Mike, was what Bill Belichick said following the game about the situation in which they ran the draw play, because they didn't want to run a Hail Mary. He didn't believe that Mac Jones could throw the ball that far. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. I thought during his rookie season, he launched a 75-yard pass to Kendrick Bourne, which <laughs> ended up becoming a touchdown. mm mm-hmm. um, What am I missing there? Did his arm strength just, like, dissipate over the last 12 months, or is there something that I don't understand?
7: Yeah, Uh, you know what? He actually clarified it yesterday, Courtney, that he wasn't necessarily saying Mac couldn't throw it that far, even though if you listen to his words, it certainly sounded like that's what he was saying. I think he meant it was just too far for him to want to take that risk, meaning that the risk-reward of, hey, you throw it down there, if it gets intercepted, you know, you're – susceptible for a potential run back. So he was more talking as he clarified it yesterday, the risk reward of that situation more so than saying, Hey, my quarterback can't reach the end zone in that situation. The other part of that um, is if you go back to the end of the first half, he just took a knee, you know, to, to run out the clock. And so you might say, why the draw? Well, why not the knee? If That's you're planning to just run it out. Right. And they did that Courtney at, at the end of the first half. So, wow. They got the
3: Bengals, Dolphins at home, and at the Buffalo Bills. Yikes, yikes, and yikes when it comes to the final three games of the Patriots season that could go south even further no matter what happens. Mike Reese will be there to find exactly what's going on to the Patriots as a Patriots reporter, part of ESPN NFL Nation. Great follow on Twitter at Mike Reese. Always appreciate you, brother. Have a great holiday as well, Mike, and enjoy the rest of the regular season.
7: All right. Thanks, Freddie. Thanks, Courtney.
3: Yeah, Courtney, when you asked him that question about what was he thinking, and you could just you could just see it in his face like here's what I was thinking, what was going on there at the end of that game. I still think the butt fumble with Mark Sanchez is the worst play in the history of the National Football League, but that one that we saw over the weekend, that whole lateral that went wrong is gaining a lot of traction, maybe being the worst yeah. play in NFL history.
0: I think that – I think the – what are we calling it? The lunatic lateral? Is there any sort of like – I haven't name? heard like, that
3: one. That's pretty good. I don't know. Good. I'm just coming
0: up with some alliterations because – I heard Help, that help one. me out here at Courtney R. Cronin, at Coleman ESPN, at Key J and Max. Can we come up with some term I think you for have what happened in one. Las Vegas? Lunatic lateral is that what works. I'm going to go with now. Yeah. I just – There was like with the the butt fumble, for example, that wasn't, hey, brain fade, brain fart, whatever Mike was was calling it there, or Mm -hmm. I panicked. That was he ran into the backside of his offensive lineman. That was like (laughs) a dopey play. Right. The lateral, lunatic lateral, he was throwing, Ramondre Stevenson panicked and he Mm -hmm. threw it behind him and then Jacoby Myers caught it and he panicked too. So I feel like just the... Like you panic, I panic. It, it's it's basically society in um you know a microcosm of a football play. I was on around the horn yesterday, and my pan my co-panelist Harry Lyles Jr., who covers college football for ESPN, brought up the most like profound analogy that I had to think about. I was like, oh my gosh, he's right. It's like when the plane lands, no matter if you're in 1A or 35F, you hear that beep go off, what t- signifying that you can take your seatbelt off everyone does it at the exact same time. It's such mm-hmm. a Pavlovian response, and a lot of people just stand up, knowing that it's going to take time to get off the plane. Like This felt very similar to, to a situation like that, where, well, if he threw me a lateral, I can't take the time in that split-second moment to think, well, maybe I should just go out of bounds here, because the game is going to overtime regardless. And that stadium, as I, as I think Keyshawn mentioned to us yesterday, they have humongous video boards everywhere <laughs> inside Allegiant <of> <laughs> Stadium. Yep. Look up And make sure that you know the score of the game. Oh, that was Herm Edwards. That was Herm Edwards who said that. Yeah.
3: because he's been in that stadium. Yeah. Whatever that is, Bill Belichick loves two things. Power and control. Right now, he doesn't have a lot of it. So that's power in that organization, Courtney. But control, when players are doing that, that is the antithesis of what has been a hallmark of his coaching career and being a Hall of Fame coach. People already accept that he's the greatest coach of all time or in that conversation. And Ricky Osborne here's us on Twitter, Coleman ESPN, and also Courtney L. Cronin saying Belichick is not going to retire for at least two seasons. He's within 20 wins of shooting the all-time leads uh, all, on the all-time list. Excuse me, I think he'll leave once he got that record. Mm-hmm. Courtney, if this keeps up, he may say, "You know what? I can't control this anymore. I'm, I'm out." Yeah, I'm,
0: and, I'm, 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 I'm I'm right. and I and I agree with your point that. He, despite what we have heard going on behind the scenes, especially when Tom Brady was there between the triangle of Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, uh, and the former quarterback of the New England Patriots, I still feel like Kraft... And Belichick have a level of mutual respect for one another where I don't think Kraft would fire him by any stretch. I don't think that anybody's even considered that. But Belichick will leave when Belichick wants to leave. Now, he is chasing – I mean, he just passed George Hallis for the second most wins all time uh, back in October – He's chasing something that's bigger than that, though, so I feel like he's at least got a couple more seasons in him.
3: Yeah, keep weighing in on Twitter, Courtney R. Cronin. That's Courtney's handle, my handle, Coleman ESPN. Also, Key, J, Will, and Max. That is the show's handle here on Key, Sean, J, Will, and Max with Courtney Cronin and Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio. Join the conversation as well on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888 espn eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. So what does the word caffeine had to do with the New York Jets and their quarterback.
1: Listen to Keyshawn, J. Will and Max live everywhere you are. Download the ESPN app. Tap the More tab on the bottom right. Scroll down and tap Live Radio. ESPN Radio, everywhere you are.
2: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
6: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's no good! and the Jets' effort at the gun will fall agonizingly short. Just trying to save as many timeouts as I can. I can probably look back at it and say we could have used one, but at the same time, when you have three timeouts, time's not an issue whether you use one there or not.
4: I'm glad the coach owned it. That's the right thing to get up and say. You want a player to get up and say, I blew it? You want a coach to get up there and say, I blew it?
3: So the word caffeine having a lot to do with the New York Jets and their quarterback... Zach Wilson, you heard that call from Bob Weschusen, 98.7 ESPN in New York with Courtney Cronin and mm-hmm. Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us. in Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series so XM Channel 80, tune in and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio as well I was on ESPNU. Courtney, I'm going to have you react to this from Rob Asala, the Jets head coach. Zach Wilson is probably going to play again as the Jets take on the Jacksonville with Jaguars on Thursday Night Football two days from now. Many people wondering after he went 18 to 35 for 317 yards and two touchdowns, but a dastly pick in the third quarter. If he's still going to be the guy, Robert Salah had this to say about Zach Wilson that he still has belief he'll be a good quarterback.
6: The frustrating thing is that you know the, this kid's going to be a good quarterback. Um, the the NFL and this this new instant coffee world that we're in just does not want to give people time, and uh, and so we look at him and he is just nitpicked with the and uh, just with a fine tooth comb everything that he does and uh and it's it's rightfully so. I mean it is what it is.
0: I think that he wants to have his cake and eat it too here. And on our Thanksgiving show that I hosted on Keyshawn J Will and Max back on Thanksgiving. It was the week that He got benched, uh, Zach Wilson, for Mike White, and I applauded Robert Sala for making that move when they were very much a playoff team in the current playoff picture at that time. I believe that was week 13, and I thought it was the right move, and I thought it was not an overreaction. Now, it feels like, in a way, he's kind of walking that stuff back, and Mm -hmm. all along, he's remained... It remain. He, he said the same things that it, he didn't believe that Zach Wilson that was his last game playing for the Jets that he would get an opportunity again we did see him get that opportunity in place of an injured Mike White but to talk out of both sides of your mouth in a way because you made a move some would say was a knee-jerk reaction I did not I thought it was the right move to yeah. pull Zach Wilson when he did to put Mike White in because they went and rattled off that win against the Chicago Bears to stay very much in the thick of things and now to say Well, this instant coffee era that you guys, meaning the media, are perpetuating is unfair to Zach Wilson and his development and that we're going to like nitpick this with the fine tooth comb going forward and make sure that he is our guy. Like, I understand all of that, but don't call it an instant coffee era when there are millions and millions of dollars invested in these prospects. And you don't have an infinite amount of time to figure out whether that quarterback is your guy or whether you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and find somebody in free agency or the draft. Like this is just the nature of the business. It's not an instant coffee era now, as much as it was five, 10 years ago, like guys don't have six, seven years to figure out whether they're going to be able to pan out in the NFL. The average, expectancy, life expectancy in the NFL for most players is under three seasons. That keeps getting shorter. So instant coffee, I'm glad that I drink Nespresso and not any of the (laughs) junk that Robert Sala's talking about because it just doesn't, that doesn't pass the taste test here considering how poorly Zach Wilson played throughout the season. I mean, this isn't just a knee-jerk reaction. They pulled in because they saw enough of a sample size to know, hey, if we want to make the playoffs in our win now window, this is not the guy that's going to be cut out to do that.
3: When I heard Robert Salah say that, the first thing that came to my mind, Courtney, was I wonder how much of that was an organizational thing to say. And you know why? Because they know that this is about to blow up in their face mm-hmm. when it comes to Zach Wilson. They know that the more that Trevor Lawrence succeeds with Jacksonville, and that Justin Fields is eventually going to succeed with the Chicago Bears. They passed on Justin Fields to take Zach Wilson, Mm -hmm. and it has not worked out. They're trying everything possible, not trying to restore the confidence or have any kind of confidence in Zach Wilson. But this organization knows that, man, we sold everybody this bill of goods, and right now people have not seen any kind of return on the investment that we made in Zach Wilson. So I wonder how much of that instant coffee, trying to throw it and spin it the other way, saying, hey, it's your fault. You're the blame for this. While well, quarterback has a lack of confidence, you instant coffee and media. This is about protecting their asset that they don't believe in, that they want to believe in, but they have not seen enough for them to believe in Zach Wilson. So what do you do when you want to protect your own interests? You try to do a bait and switch. You do a lot of spin documents and say, it's not all on him. It's not all on us. It's you guys not giving him an opportunity to at least see if he can be a quality quarterback. People believe they already have enough of a sample size, whether they drink coffee or not, to look at Zach Wilson and say, that's not the dude. We know what a dude looks like, and it's not him. And it doesn't help that in the three games Mike White played, and I know they went one and two, but they could have been 2 and 1 had Barrios not dropped the ball in the end zone against the Minnesota Vikings. They win that ball game after they were getting killed by the Vikings early on. And Mike White, even with fractured ribs, kept going back out there and trying to make play after play after play. This is all about Courtney, the Jets, protecting their interests because they don't believe that that return on investment is going to happen with Zach Wilson, the quarterback. And
0: it's a costly return on investment, too. He has over $35 million in total guarantees because they chose him at number two. And I don't think you can fault them for trying to answer the quarterback problem that they've had for the Jets for for quite some time, but they also passed on Trey Lance. They passed on Justin Fields. They passed on Mac Jones. And those are the three that were taken in the first round in 2021. Some of which are appearing to pan out. Others have an incomplete grade and others like Mac Jones, we just don't know. But This is a costly mistake if they get this one wrong, and it feels like this is damage control at this point as much as anything else to say that it's the media's fault for Mm -hmm. perpetuating that Zach Wilson is not a finished product by any stretch and he's not even polished enough to be playing in this offense on a consistent basis. Like you go back to what happened against Detroit. They lose that game because of that interception that he threw, I believe it was in the third quarter. Third quarter down on the sideline. Yeah. And and that in Detroit ends up to go ends up going on to kick a field goal there. Well the score of this game was twenty to seventeen. Three points is a field goal, so by that logic, you can go ahead and say that Zach Wilson was the reason that they lost that game in spite of throwing for 317 yards and two touchdowns, and he had a pretty decent day. But when he's asked to operate from the pocket, he doesn't look polished. The offense doesn't run timing and rhythm-wise the way that it should. Mike White gave them a better chance to go and win games. And I wonder what's going to happen because it's not a cracked rib. It's a, or it's not, you know, bruised ribs, cracked ribs. It's a broken rib from what we've heard. That's not something that you just recover from sitting out for a week. And of course, they have the short game, short week against uh, Jacksonville coming to town uh, on Thursday. And that's tough because. You have, and I mean, they didn't have a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence because he went number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But you'll see a very clear talent gap between Lawrence and Zach Wilson, who was taken one pick after him, assuming he plays this Thursday. And then you've got to look at nobody but yourself in the mirror to blame for this instant coffee era and this quarterback who has not panned out because you knew that the red flags were there surrounding his skill set you know, when you drafted him. So, again, I get what Roberts. I, I praised Robert Tala for making the move initially, Freddie. I do not think it is fair for him to go ahead and speak out of the other side of his mouth when he's talking about the perception around Zach Wilson and why it's there.
3: Mike Ribs, his white, his own ribs may be broken, but trusting broken when it comes to Zach Wilson at locker room, that may be more of a bigger issue with New York Jets, especially if he does not get his job back and that return on investment may be going out the window with him being the second pick in the draft last year. With Courtney Cronin and Freddie coming in for Keyshawn, J. Will and Max and ESPN Radio and also ESPNU, we turn our attention to the NBA. Which injury is more costly to which team? Steph Curry to Golden State or Anthony Davis to the Lakers? That's
6: next.
1: This is Jay Williams from Keyshawn, Jaylen, Will and Max, wishing you a happy holiday season from all of us here at ESPN Radio to your smart speaker and phone.
7: Now playing ESPN Radio. Or
1: watch on ESPN2. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Live weekday morning, starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2.
6: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
3: Two guys that will not be a part of that Christmas Day on NBA and ESPN and ABC will be Anthony Davis of the Lakers. And Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, with Courtney Cronin and Freddie coming in for the guys there, Keyshawn, and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X Channel 80 and ESPNU. Let's bring in a man who played in the NBA, won the three-point shooting championship as well. Does a great job as an ESPN NBA analyst. He is Tim Legler. Hit him on Twitter at Legs ESPN. And Tim, I mentioned those two guys. Anthony Davis out multiple weeks with the foot injury for the Lakers, and Steph Curry out multiple weeks with a shoulder injury for the Golden State Warriors. Which injury is more costly to which team, AD to the Lakers or Steph to Golden State?
5: Well, I actually would say AD to the Lakers, Freddie, and I know that might be surprising because of the, of the trouble that the Lakers have had pretty much from the get-go um, ever since they won that championship in the bubble. It's just been one thing after another. But when you look at the way they sort of turned things around playing through Anthony Davis, he had a stretch of health uh, along the way this season that – They made him the focal point of what they were going to do offensively. And it completely turned around their offense. And as a result, they won some games. Their morale picked up. Their confidence was better. I thought they were playing harder. It seemed like Russell Westbrook finally looks comfortable in his role. Um, Without Anthony Davis and what you're going to have to ask some other guys to do in his place, I just don't think there's any way to replicate it. And so now – You have a team that was obviously dug a big hole at the beginning of the year. They righted the ship. It looked like they were now going to be a relevant factor, at least in the West. I think that's going to be difficult to pull off, depending on how long he ends up being out. In the case of Steph Curry, as critical as he is, obviously, they do have have Jordan Poole. They do have some guys that can play similar to the way Steph plays and... They've got, I think, other weapons that can that they, they utilize in terms of not having one guy be the focal point night in and night out. It's more about ball movement, cutting, screening, spacing, and the way that they play and the style of play isn't going to change. So I actually think the Lakers have a bigger problem playing without a guy that really became their identity offensively.
0: Damian Lillard entered Monday's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder 20 career points away from Clyde Drexler's all-time record with the Portland Trailblazers, 18,040. The moment was really cool when the crowd uh, inside Moda Center paused to give Damian Lillard his moment when he got to 18,041. Can we just talk about how rare this is, though, in today's NBA legs? Because assuming Lillard remains in Portland, there are plenty other Clyde Drexler records that he's going to pass, and he's played 138 fewer games in roughly 33,000 fewer minutes. Um, most times we see player movement in the NBA that prevents these sort of team records from be- being broken.
5: No, you're 100% right, Courtney. That's a great point. And you know, that that player, that type of player, I think is, is a bygone now in the NBA. There are going to be Some exceptions, and I think it's some guys that are probably in their 30s right now that may end up staying with the team that they've been with their entire career and that are Hall of Fame players. Lillard may be an example. I'm still not 100% sure he'll be there his entire career, but he is 32 years old. He's played 730 games in Portland. So it starts to get to the point where you think, you know, and he has made comments to say, hey, you know what, he's not chasing. He's happy and comfortable where he is. So he might be that rare exception. Obviously, I don't think anybody could envision Steph Curry ever putting another uniform on. Right. So he, he's probably in that category—a guy in his 30s that's been one team his whole career and is a Hall of Famer. But for the most part, you're 100 percent right. We're not going to see that anymore. I, I think th- even the way guys think when they come into the league now, a lot of times they're already thinking about their next stop. You know, after the fourth year with with their the team that drafted them, I, um, and a lot of that has to do with. I think the, the culture they grew up in where you could bounce around and play on four different high school teams if you want to. You can play on, you know, five, six different AAU teams. I mean, when I was coaching on the AAU circuit, I saw some elite-level players three different times in the same AAU season on three different teams. So, you know, i look at the Division One transfer pa- epidemic that we have, you know, 1,200 guys in the transfer portal. Mm. It's just the mindset has changed, you know, and, and you you go find what it is you're looking for so it's very, very rare. We need to appreciate these guys that stay with one franchise their entire career. I, th- I think it's, it's something that's you know, really special, unique, and rare. And I, unfortunately, it's a dying breed.
3: Tim the ESPN NBA analyst. Hit him on Twitter, Legs ESPN. Joining Freddie Coleman and Courtney Cronin on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio. Two guys I believe will stay with their franchises are Giannis Antetokounmpo with Milwaukee and Jason Tatum with the Boston Celtics. Both of those two teams had the best record in the NBA. Bucks at twenty two and eight, Celtics at twenty two and nine. Right now, Tim, who's the better team?
5: Well, Boston's been the best team in the league all year, but I think that's starting to change. I think I think Milwaukee now is looking them dead in the eye, and you can even make a case that they're the better team right now. And I was watching Milwaukee last night against the Pelicans, and it's it, it struck me that I don't know if we give them enough credit for how deep yeah. that team is. And, 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 you know, we know about Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and the guys that, you know, that run that thing at the top. But when you start getting down and look at the contributions of, you know, Brooke Lopez, of what Bobby Portis brings as a sixth man, he didn't even play last night, um, what a guy like Joe Ingles is going to bring now, that he played his first game in almost a year last night, it's going to take him some time to get comfortable, but he's not a guy that relies on athletic ability, to come back from from that, that knee injury. He's a guy that is going to be able to contribute quickly. He's got an incredible IQ. He moves the ball. He's going to make everybody better with his passing. Um, you look at a guy like Javon Carter, who is now coming to his own, who's getting big minutes for them. So up and down that roster, Pat Connaughton, they are so deep, and they can beat you so many different ways that I think now, I'm looking at Milwaukee, and once Chris Middleton – you know, finds himself and he rounds out into form and, and he reverts to all-star caliber form, I, I think Milwaukee has a great chance to win the Eastern Conference. And it looked like Boston was head and shoulders above everybody else in the East, even a couple of weeks ago. I think that's changed here lately. Uh, I picked the Bucs to go to the finals before this season. Boston really had me rethinking that, the way that they were playing. But now I see the Bucks, You know, kind of being the team
1: that I thought they would be. Listen to Keyshawn J. Will and Max live. Everywhere you are. Download the ESPN app. Tap the more tab on the bottom right. Scroll down and
5: tap live radio. ESPN radio. Everywhere you are.